I'm Natasha, and I'm Red. And together we are Syllogism, a science, culture, and philosophy challenge podcast on the edge of chaos. This season, we'll invite guests of varying expertise to playfully investigate Howard Gardner's theory of multiple intelligences. Each episode will explore a particular type of intelligence according to Gardner. This week's challenge was to read Reflections on Multiple Intelligences, Myths and Messages by Howard Gardner, published 1995 in the Phi Delta Cabin, which claims to be the nation's premier forum for serious discussions of research, policy, and practice in K-12 education. We've invited Dr. Matt Brown from Decoding the Gurus podcast to help us sort out Gardner's theory. When he's not podcasting, Matt does a little teaching and research in the psychology department at Central Queensland University. For additional resources, including Gardner's books, Frames of Mind, and multiple intelligences, check out our newsletter at theorygang.io forward slash newsletter. Enjoy. Motherfucker, we are back. I'm so happy. I'm so excited to just fucking literally be in fierce competition with you all season long. <laughs> I feel like we need to end this with like a sparring match. <laughs> I, I, I recommend sumo mug wrestling or something. I, I'm thinking you and I sumo I think, that, I think that'll go over real well. Yeah. Uh, oh my god, I don't need to drink more for this. I'm just having tea. <laughs> You're drinking tea. I've I've popped a bottle. I'm like I'm fully on the champagne train tonight. Yeah, I got. I mean, I have a little bit of like psychoanalysis that I I'm hoping Matt will chime in on. Got a few things that for me are really against. I wonder if he thinks we're just like a bunch of assholes. He thinks he's a bunch of assholes. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was deep ass chakra was how, what we did. Deep, deep ass chakra. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Love it. Love yeah. it. I wonder, do you just get like, start having dreams about these people then that you're like studying or thinking about? It might've happened. I have some pretty crazy dreams. They usually have a science fiction theme. There's no, but they're usually not guru related. No. Uh. <laughs> and then you probably, I mean, inevitably are getting flack. Like I know you're getting flack from from certain people i've kind of like seen it mm. but does it bother you at all oh no 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 like, like nothing that they could say to me could be as cruel or as vicious as uh, student feedback at the end of a semester <laughs> uh, <laughs> or or reviewer two comments on an academic paper like uh, being an academic means just being told that you're sh you got you know yeah. being told that you're shit all yeah. the time constantly um, and yeah yeah, that's right. And you, you know, you know, these people, these people on the internet, they don't, they don't know how to do it. They don't know how to make the no. blows land. Yeah. They don't know how to, they don't know how to make it hurt. Yeah. yeah. Not, exactly. not, not the way we like it. You know. <laughs> yeah. The way we like it. That's right. <laughs> well, I mean, almost no one ever says anything profound as, as a critique. And really the reduction to Hitler happens now so quickly that there's no, there's no in between. There really is nothing substantive. You're, you're evil. You're bad. You're stupid. And, and that's pretty much it. Yeah. yeah Goblin exactly. mode activated. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is yeah. that still a thing? Are we still doing goblin mode? Uh, I, I think so. I yeah. think we should. Forever. Yeah. Forever. Yeah. <laughs> I, I never understood where that came from. Like these things just are there and yeah. I, I can't, I'm too much of a boomer to know. Yeah. But are you on corn talk at this point in time? Wait a oh, okay. You that are. rings a bell. What is that? Tell me about corn talk. It's cone. No, it's okay. a lump <laughs> with knobs. You don't know corn talk. You, okay, you are a boomer then. Yeah. I am a boomer. Yeah. 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 Okay. It's... Well, um, yeah. I, I don't know what it is either. Um, Bitch, so. you seen my Instagram? You know corn talk. Recess therapy, the little boy eating the corn. Don't do not gaslight well, me like this. I'm over there on your stuff, and I don't necessarily draw this correlation where I say, okay, the meme that you shared has this wide, you know, appeal. You can't like, get it out of your head if you hear the song. All right, I'm sending it to you afterwards, Matt. Okay, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna need to cone <laughs> a big lump of knobs. So first of all, like I saw you put your rankings into this spreadsheet, sir. <laughs> I I am a team player. I am a team so player. I you're saw, basically I see like musically retarded. No, come on, man. <laughs> I don't um, believe it. Uh, actually, no. I actually I did play jazz guitar for a, a while. So, I, but I, I was really bad at it. So that's why I gave myself a three. Okay, I tried okay. hard though. So the mm. only the only assessment then that would probably agree is the intrapersonal assessment because if you're this bad at assessing yourself. <laughs> 
<laughs> you're a psychologist think... and you gave yourself a one you are you are a kind of a scientist sir i th i thought natural it was like identifying plants or something like botany i, I don't it's know they're all just they all just... recognition it's it's mm. you don't have to know rote knowledge it's like do you make can you make observations about the world around you Oh, right, 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 right. Okay, so that's probably wrong. I interpreted it differently. <laughs> okay, I I, yeah, I, I mean, none of us, none of us are Darwin, but there's no way that anyone could possibly score as, as low as you scored yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Man, the whole thing was like a, you know, like a false modesty virtue oh. signaling thing. Oh, I'm not very good at that. I, think not, so. I was like, yeah. maybe I love that you laughed at the existential one, because uh, I mean, realistically, after studying all the gurus, you should actually have uh, at least an 11 on that scale. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ex existential angst, maybe. Existential dis dis despair for humanity. Like yeah, no yeah, yeah. Nightmares. We're good on that. Yeah, like I don't know what these. I mean, you know, we can talk about it, but I got I got some issues with this theory, and and oh, in general, I got some issues with fuzzily fuzzily defined traits. Okay, um, we don't like fuzzy logic here, right? We don't like that. No, okay, we don't. And I'm saying we, as in like the three of us today, just right now, because mm. sometimes fuzzy logic to me is where the juicy shit is. Sometimes I'll I enjoy a bit of fuzzy logic just because it helps us get at something deeper and more clearly defined. So I, mm -hmm. I do enjoy a little 3D eye puzzle oh, yeah. time to time. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, totally. I mean, like, like I love crazy abstract art, like abstract expressionism is my favorite thing and even double in it myself. And I love crazy science fiction and the wilder, the better big concepts, crazy poetic ideas and yeah and you know and i love the the button down materialist reductionist science stuff as well never and heard what of I don't... before i love <laughs> button down materialist reductionist science i do <laughs> but when you combine these things and you end up with this sort of like hand wavy vague fuzzy sciencey stuff it's just awful these these worlds should be kept apart don't let the worlds collide so I, I think, think I, think... I agree. Like our first episode of the podcast, we kind of discussed whether people should tear art apart, like the way that he's kind of tearing apart these soft qualities and it ruined it for me, but Brett felt otherwise. <laughs> there is a degree to which a thing that's been reduced stops being anything, even like the thing that I think I, the example I gave was like a deconstructed Greek salad. It, it's just not good. It doesn't even look good. And the whole yeah. idea is just stupid. And it, it's attempting to pretend that you're being creative simply by destroying something. And, and those two things are so diametrically opposed that I can't possibly see creativity just saying, I'm mm. going to put the fetishes over here. Yeah. No. So no. what are we, but, but, but what are we talking about deconstructing? We're talking about like, like interpreting art and breaking it down or something. What, That's kind of what the... we're doing. That's kind of what he's doing here is he's trying to say like, uh, musical intelligence or bodily kinesthetic intelligence, in my mind, is the same thing as breaking down art. You're trying to assign some value or metric to it, to mm. equalia. Mm, mm. You know, let me just let me stick up for a damn wedge salad for a second, and also <laughs> let the record state. I feel like I feel like I'm gonna have to be. I'm gonna Bullshit. play Howard Gardner today, <laughs> so I'm gonna take up for old Howie. But okay. I think You're some gonna people have to. like a wedge salad, okay? I love a Cobb salad that has everything separated and I can mix in things as I like. So, so you're the person who like wouldn't like mix anything into their mashed potatoes at Thanksgiving dinner. Sometimes that's that, a yeah. good thing. Like sometimes the purity of a mashed potato pile is, is beautiful. Mm. I like it. So, so it's like the salad bar approach to psychometrics. So, uh, you know, you, you know, yeah, you yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah we're, we're, we're very big on, so, so, so there's, we, because our first episode was this, it was E.O. Wilson's Consilience and we were reading it for book club and we decided, Hey, let's, let's kind of talk about these ideas and what it means to be a theory and how a lot of the postmodern things actually kind of avoid some of the really important things that are required. And so everywhere between Natasha and I, we try to find something, some evidence of consilience before we'll say that this thing actually makes sense. Yeah. 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 I mean, that's right. I mean, it's like a, a scientific theory is, is a quite a, quite a restricted thing mm -hmm. and, and it relates to, it makes predictions regarding things that you can measure and, and the, the, the grounding in measurement is like super duper important. And, you know, psychology is a weak 
weak science. Well, I said you're um, kind of a scientist, bro. <laughs> yeah, kind of. I know. I'm very much aware. I, I kind of like to think of myself more of a statistician than a psychologist because psycho psychology's had a tough run recently with the True. replication crisis and stuff. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm just leaving basically. It's someone else's problem. But you're yeah, so. Now. I'm a, that's right. I'm a podcast. I identify as a podcast. So almost before talking about, you know, Gardner's thing, you almost have to talk about the, the, the standard G, the standard mm. conception of, of intelligence. And, you know, it is a bit of a weird thing because you're talking about, first of all, it's based on a like folk wisdom, right? So we have a folk concept of people that are smart, right? People that aren't smart, people who are dumb, you know, like we, it's something like we feel that mm -hmm. we know it when we see it right and sort of motivated by that psychologists went out and said okay let's go and get people to now we don't want to measure what people have learned what people have just memorized or some some particular skill they've acquired through lots and lots of practice rather what we're getting at really is their capacity their, their general ability to to be able to do things so they came up with all of these cognitive tasks ranging from as simple as tapping up reaction times to you know shape rotation and you know vocabulary tests by the way speaking of memes have you guys heard of the the, the word cell versus shape rotator thing i love it word cells are the humanities types Shape okay. rotators are the STEM engineering okay. types. Okay. Okay. How do I not know this? <laughs> right. okay. You're either a word cell or a shape rotator. Anyway, so yeah, so the standard psychology tests or the, the psychometric cognitive ability tests that would go into something like the WACE, the Weschler Adult IQ scale, which I've taken, by the way, and has all the little subdomains, and that's really interesting. But, you know, they all correlated together. Mm -hmm. So it seemed to support the idea of, okay, there's like a general aptitude, which means you're good at sort of generally doing stuff. And then they went in and validated, went, okay, yep, seems to be correlated with people, the educational level they achieve and how much money they earn. And they're, okay, there we go. So from a measurement point of view, it's kind of grounded in like a bottom-up kind of way. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's become obviously very politicized. We probably don't want to get into all of the controversies around it and whatever, but you know, it's still uh, even G right. Is not like, it's not a real thing. Like it's not right. located in the corpus callosum, abstract. right? It's, mm -hmm. right. Yeah. It's an, it's an abstract Correlate. socially constructed concept that, that, that does seem to be grounded somewhat, at least in correlated measures. Right. Mm -hmm. Then we come to Gardner's thing, <laughs> which as far as I know, <laughs> <laughs> right has, has never been subjected to any kind of measurement really like a proper measurement framework you'll so break it you'll break <laughs> it you, do that. you know it, it's 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 like a quantum particle right so you can't really know more than one thing about it like it exists but which way is it spinning i don't know <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> yeah, and you look at the history of it and like, you know, Gardner came up with it as a, like an idea, like a theory, but you know, in the kind of bad version of a theory, which is just kind of, this is some stuff I've thought about and sounds good. The book is just <laughs> like that. It's like, so I've been thinking a lot about. <laughs> yeah, I've read these things and he, you know, it all, it, it all gels and makes sense. Right. It and feels right. I didn't finish the book, but I made it through the first third before realizing I both needed to put it down because there really wasn't much being said, but also that it was really well written and was, you could read it very, you could easily read this in an afternoon yeah. and, and you can completely understand the entire theory. Yeah. So he escapes criticism like all postmodern thinkers do by saying that testing this would be inconsistent with the theory. So you can't put metrics on this shit because I said you can't put metrics on it. <laughs> yep. yep. So it's not. It's not science. It's simple as that. Yeah. If you can't measure it, yep. it's been criticized for being pseudoscience and it kind of is, you know, the history of it is it got, this is what happens, right? This stuff gets picked up in education or other applied disciplines because it sounds good. Right. And it feels good. Mm -hmm. Nobody really likes G nobody likes intelligence. It doesn't it's give you, it's upsetting. It is. It doesn't yeah. give you warm fuzzies. It, it, it reduces all of the wondrous rich tapestry that is us to a single number and worse, it puts us on a kind of a scale and encourages us to kind of compare ourselves to each other in that way. It's unappealing. Whereas Gardner's thing, it's very appealing, right? Very like sexy. what? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And there are, there's a rich, rich history of psychological theories, which sound good, are super duper appealing and get a bunch of traction, like in the corporate sphere or the educational sphere or whatever, like, you know, the Myers-Briggs type indicator, mm -hmm. you heard of that? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, wor I worked at a place that implemented that and it became, this is how you're, you're going to know everybody's MBTI. And mm -hmm. based on that, you're going to know 
or try to know better how to interact with them. Oh, I was yeah. an INTP according to this. You couldn't apply it. You, you just couldn't apply it because you would yeah. need so much else to understand what that is to figure out how you needed to change your behavior to get the right kind of response out of that person. So it, it's just implausible, but it looked real nice. Yeah, that's right. It like useless because not only is it not psychometrically valid, it hasn't been backed up, but like, and you can't cate like you can't put people into personality categories. Like this is like, but, <laughs> well, but, like but, but, yeah. but it's, that's super appealing, right? Just like a horoscope is super appealing. Okay. I'm a Capricorn. So well, I, I will argue for the utility of it. I mean, when, and also I will say there's aspirational goals. Cause when I was in grad school, my advisor told me that INTJs are scientists. And so, so I was an INTJ, of course. And then when I left grad school, somehow I've like changed into some kind of like ENTP. So I think it, it was aspirational that I was like, I am going to try and achieve these qualities. This is what I need to be. But I think in, in corporate settings, they will reduce it even further. We had four colors. You were either blue, green, red, or yellow. Oh, and wow. like, you can't, it's like, <laughs> if you were blue, you were very organized. If you're green, you're a helper. If you're red, of course you're like domineering. And so I think they try to use these things to help with superficial tasks. Yeah. It's not some deep theory. It's just like, how are we going to get this fucking project done? And I think there is some utility, whether it's scientific or not, there is some mm -hmm. utility. And I think it's the same way that tarot can be mm. utilized for introspection. It's a tool to sure. help you figure your own shit out. Does it have mm. to be scientific for it to be useful? No, no, no. I think those are fair points. Those are good points. There's a story I often tell about, I went to a, a, a color therapist in Japan and she, it was a friend of a friend's and she gave me a free reading and they have basically all these little vials of different colored oils, essential oils. And there's like thousands of them, or it feels like thousands, but they're, they're beautiful. All the colors of the rainbow. And you pick two based on your intuition and then they interpret those and, you know, tell you about yourself, what's worrying you, what's concerning you now, and then pick another two that tell you about your future. And the whole time, like the person, the therapist is sitting opposite you and holding your hand or touching your forearm and looking deeply into your eyes and talking to you and listening to you, all of that stuff. It was an extraordinarily nice experience. I didn't believe it for a second, right. <laughs> not a right. second, but it was a lovely experience. And I can imagine people getting a lot from that experience. A complementary alternative medicines is, is generally bunk, but it helps people with very real social psychological needs that conventional medicine does not do. Yeah. And well, I think that there's an aspect of just a, a very interesting human connection that allows for you to say, okay, I might be able to heal myself, or maybe this person can do something. It's borderline magic together. We're concentrating on this ailment and we're going to be able to use some, some, I don't know, so, so, something otherworldly to cure me. Because if I go to the, the allopathic doctor, guess what he's going to do? He's going to sit there, look at me for three seconds, take my blood pressure, ask me a couple of symptoms, prescribe me a drug and walk away. And the human warmth of what used to be maybe like shamanic healing or whatever is lost. And so yeah. uh, the, the unfortunate thing is many people, and I worked with someone for a while whose significant other did not believe in Western medicine very much and managed to convince him not to go and get chemotherapy and various of the other treatments did not work. And this is not to say that the chemotherapy necessarily would, but you get to a point where there's no possibility that it is going to rescue you after it's metastasized beyond, uh, you know, some, some point. I like that yeah. analogy though, because I think chemotherapy is really crude. Like we're interrupting microtubules. I mean, that's so fucking crude. You know, you think like, are, can we not do better at this point? And G is probably similarly as crude. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. we just haven't figured out yet how best to incorporate it. The idea that these intelligences exist independently is obviously false. A lot of them are linked and these eight feel very arbitrary, even though he does have criteria, but just because they're linked doesn't mean there's not some part that isn't overlapping. There are, I think, independent qualities of each of these intelligences that I can't wait to explore for the rest of the season. It's going to be hella fun. But I think we can agree that this is not science at this point. It's conjecture. Mm, yeah.
there's this fuzzy boundary between okay what do you mean when you talk about intelligence and how is that different from things like aptitude and various skills and proficiencies and there are obviously people that have an amazing aptitude for say music and just can be become an ace on the piano or the guitar or whatever and and just live and breathe it you know like someone like mozart you know clearly had this skill so i believe there is absolutely real individual variation in in what almost anything you care to name about what people might possibly be good at whether general or very specific but to call it an intelligences or a theory of intelligence it it just is That's just cheating isn't. he yeah. was oh. cheating he did something that I thought was really interesting, and I, I almost think begins to destroy his own theory without himself realizing. And he says, well, you know, some abilities can be exacted for, for other things, but it's basically our ability to recognize patterns in nature now also allow us to recognize branded products. And so these are, this is completely, you know, synthetic, but somehow we're still able to recognize things because the naturalistic intelligence has basically been exacted for something else. And then he talks about synthesis. So he says, well, wait a second. In tool making, you're going to have spatial ability. You might have some mathematical ability. You're going to have some kind of logical ability going on, synthesized to be able to make some tool. And so you're seeing the end product of several intelligences coming together simultaneously. And what I'm thinking to myself is, okay, so this is not necessarily essential because you're saying there's a general thing that can be used everywhere. And then not only that, you're saying in almost everything else you see in the world, there is some confluence of abilities that also show in the products of human endeavor, which really is, again, another layer, I think, of resolving itself into a generalizable ability. And so I, I think whether he knows it or not, those two <laughs> ideas are seriously like going to kneecap the hell out of Oops. the theory. <laughs> so I like his criteria. His criteria were for an intelligence are as follows. Okay. <laughs> One, there must be an identifiable cerebral system, not a brain system. It's got to be just like cerebral. Okay. Somewhere in the cerebrum. There has to be evolutionary history and plausibility. There has to be a core set of operations to the intelligence. There has to be meaning encoded in a system, distinct developmental history of mastery. There has to be evidence of savants or prodigies. There has to be experimental psychology evidence. And then there has to be psychometric findings. So he's saying there are criteria by which you can evaluate these things. So he mm. is, he is. And I think, me up. where is it? <laughs> okay. So I think there are objective ways of identifying these things kind of piecemeal, but in the actual challenge we did, which is, was to read his own criticisms and kind of like his myth busting about the theory. He says right in there, he gives you a list of do's and don'ts. He rejects the idea that there's a right way to teach anything. And he's like, please don't use this as a mnemonic device. As if, ew, like, please don't be using, <laughs> you know, musical intelligence to make people learn things like what the. Yeah. Yeah. Except neuro-linguistic programming. Yeah. NLP. It's a, <laughs> it, it's a thing. And I know he distances himself from it, but it, it's strongly associated with it. And that's obviously this, this thing, which is the idea that people have different learning styles. Right. There's a diversity of people out there. Some people are kinesthetic learners. Some people are spatial learners. Some people are verbal, some, whatever. And if you're, if you're teaching someone something, you have to recognize that diversity and tailor multimodal kind of teaching to suit mm. those different things. Again, this is like catnip to teachers, right? Because yeah. it sounds really cool. It sounds mm -hmm. rich. It sounds validating. It's student focused, blah, blah, blah. It's got all the buzzwords, just, just like the corporate people love putting people into personality boxes. You notice it's the same kind of people. What kind of people occupy your HR departments? It, it's probably <laughs> people who otherwise would have been, you know, elementary school teachers uh, who are grabbing onto these things. I'm sorry. It sounds like I'm being mean to teachers. I, I love teachers. My mom's a teacher. My brother's a teacher, but yeah, you know, yeah, there's good ones. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So, but you know, you can understand the appeal, but you know, it's the same as this and that you have to start off with the evidence. I mean, that his criteria that you just listed there, Natasha, I mean, that's very arbitrary and some of them were very vague. Like you can write stuff. Yeah. You could put some words together and say stuff, but what does that, it mean? That, that, yeah, it doesn't, and it doesn't make it true. He said another thing. <laughs> he said an intelligence is where someone can create an effective product that is valued within a culture. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> like that is the most, it's just so, mm. 
Open. I'd love to see the products of human intelligence that have nothing at all to do with culture. I want to see a cultural intelligence. <laughs> yeah. yeah, decontextualize yeah. all of this shit. But so, that's what he considers G. He says that if you are to assess any of this, which of course these things can be assessed, like for example, like tonality or being able to detect pitch and music or being able to pick up rhythms, which Matt can never do. But <laughs> despite despite playing jazz guitar. Yeah, so. even though, well, that's why he played jazz because he was just like, I don't actually yeah, have to learn. It, I'll, I'll, I'll make something up. <laughs> He's like, I get jazz. It's just a little here, a little there. <laughs> you don't need to keep time. That's oh, that's that's bad. that's for time is for squares. Yeah, space time is doomed, anyways. It's it's nice. It's nice and fluid, just like multiple intelligences themselves. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. So yeah. all this being said, like maybe let's uh, let's be nice. So what are your both of your favorite types of intelligence? If you were to have one, you have to communicate in this intelligence forever more. Mm. I don't want to say linguistic because I don't want to be a word cell, but <laughs> I, 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 I appreciate that deep down I am. Yeah. It's the place I feel most comfortable with. I don't really want to be, I prefer to be naturalistic or something, you know, that's like the lowest ranked score you have. You, mm. yeah, it's the discrepancy between my aspirational self and Damn. my actual self. Yeah. Well, one of the things you need to do with like the corporate training is the Gallup <laughs> strengths poll. <laughs> because, <laughs> have you ever heard of this one where you're supposed to test and you find all your strengths and then you focus. It's just a very American thing to like assess all of your strengths and then only focus on those like fuck the shit you're not good at. Just focus on your strengths. Yes. <laughs> well, and arguably the multiple intelligences idea is itself also a very American thing. It's, it's you are so individualistic. You, by the way, also need to have one educator who carries you through everything. And they're going to teach you in a specialized way because you, Johnny, are musical. But guess what? Sarah over here, she's kinesthetic. Mm. And yeah. I need another teacher for that because I can't teach you both to its one pupil and a, and a master. And that's it. It's really bad for me to, to agree with you here because... <laughs> <laughs> I, I know Americans just love getting criticized by foreigners because it's, it's... We're, well, we're Americans and we're critiquing ourselves. So. Yeah, I know. There's, there's like a cottage industry of America cultural critique. The entire the rest of the world is involved with it. But it is true. There is a thing in American culture, which is, and it's not a bad thing necessarily, but it is a willingness to, I am a unique snowflake. You know, my life has been this fascinating rich tapestry mm -hmm. and i'm feel very comfortable getting up on a stage or whatever in front of a meet a room of people and telling you all about it and everyone approves and goes that's fascinating and that that makes australians or irish people or English people cringe like in, <laughs> in our souls. Yeah, you know, there, some there are, of us cringe too, but we're told to do aspects, that anyways. Yeah, I mean, there are aspects of it that are are probably you know pretty good. The individualism of of Americans has its place, and I think it does some pretty extraordinary things. But taken to its extreme, you have everything that goes on on the internet. You have the original like Jerry Springer show and stuff like that. It was every, everybody's life could become an after school special or something of that sort. And, and I am so, so interesting that you should only pay attention to me. And now you've got individualism starts to trickle over into the narcissistic catastrophe that we're in right now. Yeah. Well, this is off topic, but I have my own theory of cultural differences. Like there is no good, like I'm the ultimate relativist in a way, right? Because I reckon like any good thing has a corresponding kind of bad aspect I to agree. it. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, that, that kind of, exactly as you said, that kind of individualism and so on can be toxic and cringeworthy or whatever, but it's also fosters entrepreneurialism and confidence mm -hmm. and so creativity. on. Mm -hmm. Creativity. You put an American, put a microphone in front of them, put a, put them on camera and they will be articulate and happily tell the world yada 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 put it in front of an australian they go uh, i don't know you know, know like, Mike. Just... <laughs> <laughs> let me also say this i think americans we go to a lot of fucking therapy and so i think this is about intrapersonal kind of investigation and knowing knowing yourself which i think individualism fosters I think I have a lot of intrapersonal intelligence and this would be my favorite intelligence probably because I'm seeing the world through my own eyes. And if I don't understand my perspective, what the fuck is any of this for? I see the world a lot of times and understand things by writing 
writing to myself to try and investigate or understand something and explore a concept. And so I see a lot of value in that. The very Jungian kind of perspective that you just displayed, light side is that we get to know ourselves very well. And this dark side is we're a bunch of assholes. I don't know. I mean, uh, well, maybe, 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 maybe not assholes, but self-obsessions. It can lead to self-obsession. So, right. yeah. so, and Natasha and I had a, a conversation at, at, at some other point where I, we were talking about the, the relative merits of therapy and how there is probably at least some point at which you should be cut off because <laughs> there's, as you begin to talk about issues and you begin to interlace ideas, there's a potential that you are going to be talking about nothing but distortions and creating mm. uh, pathologies where perhaps they didn't even need to exist had you never sat there and said, well, you know, this one thing that happened in my childhood when I was very small made me mm. feel like this. And now I, and now all of a sudden I feel disconnected from my father and I, and this is why my relationships fail, but you're wrong. Are you the problem, about me? No, I'm talking about, the, I'm talking <laughs> about theory in general, but again, it has its place. There are catastrophes that need to be taken care of. You need someone who can talk to you more objectively than anybody that you know and love will, mm -hmm. but that becomes a mill for therapists to talk endlessly, almost about nothing while you sit there and invent more problems for them to uh, try to heal you from for the, till the mm. end of your days. We need to be less extreme in our use of almost everything. Yeah. No, I, I see what you mean in terms of it being sort of constructivist and that you can actually build an entire yeah. meaning structure out of whole cloth. And there's obviously evidence of repressed memory therapy you oh, know, yeah. leading, leading to <laughs> terrible 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 things you know because people like, we are very suggestible creatures and very social creatures and we can be encouraged to simply imagine things and believe that they are real when they really aren't but i think most people would benefit for a good well-researched meta-analyzed therapy that changes behavioral patterns on, on a limited basis. So I would argue oh, yeah. most people could benefit from intrapersonal investigation. It's just yeah. the way they're marketing it these days. I just saw a better health and it was being marketed to people who feel like the world is burning. And I'm like, no, no, that's not, <laughs> no, like don't, don't start, don't lead with that. Like you're supposed to ask them first if they feel, but no, now they're targeting therapy to those people. And if you think about that from a large tech perspective, they know exactly what to say to those people to make them feel comforted. Like, indeed, the world is burning. You're confirming my thoughts already. And now what am I going to do about it? I'm going to go deeper into my ideology. But I think, yeah, I mean, I definitely agree that therapy obviously can be good a lot of the time. I think the interesting thing about that intrapersonal thing is that for me, it's the important thing is that self-awareness. Yeah. Mm -hmm. to, to recognize in a way that you're a, you're a, a, a monkey wearing pants in, in a sense <laughs> you know? and you tell yourself these stories about why you're doing things and and it's etc but they're not necessarily bad the things that sort of drive us and motivate us and affect our responses but they're not they're often not the things that we tell ourselves that they are or we assume they are so a bit of self-reflection helps with that and it's something that we feel like we notice with the gurus that we look at even people that are extremely clever people seem to lack so i mean maybe it's us maybe we're prejudiced or we're foisting this upon them but they really do seem like they they are critically missing a level of self-awareness about mm. about what they're doing and why they're doing it and yeah i had come across well, jordan peterson like back in like 2008 like i started listening to the podcast like really early on i was like well, this is this is fascinating to listen to him leap from idea to idea and then to to take the little tiny kernel of a metaphor and then explode it into a into a meaning system so th there's there's something about that that i i think gives you a kind of, so you can see like a pattern recognition ability that probably is the thing that is maybe being among the things being most exploited so maybe that's maybe that's a spatial thing maybe that's a naturalistic thing i don't know i wouldn't even know how to how to categorize these things yeah it's but, like poetry but it's definitely like a, po a poetry and that license is now this thing that is kind of like this that if i wrote a poem about it would be absolutely beautiful this is actually a kind of reality that you need to live in and 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 strangely with peterson and this is the reason i wanted to make this point is that 
he does this in a way where he's always criticizing postmodernists for their their loose use of language and so forth. But I would say he's doing precisely this all the time, and he's just you know he's got an, he's got a different set of maybe archetypal concepts that he's juggling. This is this is a thing that we have also said many times that it, the irony is so strong that the yeah. the the fluffy humanities postmodernism, constructivism, whatever that, that he hates so much. He is the worst. He is, <laughs> he is, he is that times a million. So yeah, you know, it's kind of that, you know, it's kind of linked to what Natasha was talking about. That's self-awareness. Like he doesn't see that. Like he doesn't stop to think. No, for him. Well, it's, he would oh. probably argue that no, look, see the, the these intelligences are correlated by the. I actually watched him talk about this theory. And oh really? He, okay. Yeah, and he was so adamant that these things are not. It, it, this is not a valid theory, mainly because they're correlated so strongly to G. So he would probably argue that he does grab onto concrete empirical scientific evidence at times. But the truth is, it's like he's he's definitely become the monster that he created. Yeah. But there's no way to talk about this stuff without putting conjecture and the soft, fuzzy stuff into it. There's no way you can have a podcast and not be that. Yeah, I mean, like even us, we we're just talking about like, you know, intrapersonal intelligences, right? So we, we might not think this Gardner's theory is scientific, but we at least feel like we can talk about it, right? Mm -hmm. Having self-awareness yeah. or whatever. And what we're doing is humanity's stuff, right? Mm -hmm. This conversation is humanity's type thinking and so on. And it's not necessarily bad, but I suppose where we're coming from on our podcast is we, we, we just would like people to be clear about what it is they're doing. Mm -hmm. You know, if, if you're doing poetry and you're doing allegory and you're constructing this, this beautiful mind palace and encouraging people <laughs> to take a walk through it for inspiration and so on, then don't present it as literally true. Mm, just, cap finding capital T truth. Right. Yeah. I mean, present it as what it is, which is, right. it, it may range on a spectrum between mental masturbation to some kind of artistic enterprise. That's what we do here. Right. right. <laughs> <laughs> Together. Yes. yes. Together. And, and we're very open about what we're doing. <laughs> very American of you. <laughs> so, Brett, I know your favorite intelligence is sexual intelligence, but I'm just wondering. Uh, it's oh, not... <laughs> I, I, actually, actually, it is. So, I, and this is something I wanted to bring up too. It's, it was it Yak that is, he has this, uh, what is it? It's, it's affective neuroscience, but he's come up with like these modes that are supposed to somehow be related to, but somehow more elemental, let's say, than, than, than the big five factor model. And one of those happens to be that he hasn't really explored that thoroughly because he thinks it will taint his other research. I said taint. Taint. Is, <laughs> is, this, is, is lust. And, and so he thinks of lust as a type of primal drive that should somehow Absolutely. be as one of the things. And I, I would say I completely agree. So yes, I think of sexual <laughs> I really like that you brought up the, the notion of sexual intelligence because this is something I've talked about before with my brother. He strongly believes in sexual intelligence. Okay. Now, he, he, he is a gay man as a gay man. A gay man? Okay, like, like Neil Gaiman or? That, 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 that was a deep cut. That was a reference to a, a certain English yeah. comedian. I said, yeah, have you guys heard of Alan Partridge? No, okay, you should no, check no. him out. A anyway, that's an Alan Partridge yeah. reference. Anyway, so, he, so he's gay. And, you know, like some gay men are, he gets around, has gotten around. You know, he's experienced. He knows what he's doing. And he described himself as a sexual ninja in contrast to me as sexual cannon fodder. Just blundering into <laughs> the sexual no man's land. That's a buckshot. That's just like a So I would like to know, is, is, did he use any kind of, you know, objective criteria to come up with this assessment? <laughs> I, he's got some awareness of my, of my sexual history, I suppose. I, just, I suppose okay. that I, it's probably fairly objective. I, I didn't have a good comeback. He's probably, probably right. Damn. Burned. You got burned real bad. I got burned. Yeah. 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 By, by the gaming. Yes. Yeah. There, yeah. Huh. That's fun. So no, but I mean, what is your favorite intelligence? Oh, oh, okay. So, so I would, so, so I would stick with, you know, the, the, the initial one. So you've got, so it's going to be 
language definitely because i think that's something that i've been pretty good at and i think that's kind of where i feel like my proclivities have have lied the most but but then you know again going back to this idea of something general you know i'm really good spatially in a lot of ways good good bodily awareness i never fall i don't hit stuff like like stuff like like stuff never stuff never happens video games amazing when i when i play or when i played and this is like going way back cuz i cuz i'm old and so this is spatial intelligence which i which i think is probably the thing that might be most important perhaps in some ways because to think spatially to rotate as a, as a rotator it's a <laughs> it's a transformation of what you've seen and so there's something about short term memory there's something about the ability to to do this it's a it's a kind of calculation and so i think that might be actually my favorite yeah. meanwhile <laughs> math doesn't know which way the sun rises <laughs> No, no, no. I, I, I don't know what kind of intelligence is needed to like follow instructions on an IKEA manual or to program a VCR because I'm old too. But I can't, I cannot, I cannot do those things. So. Oh shit! That could be our challenge, Brett. We need to put together an IKEA. See who who can put together I, an IKEA. I think center. that would be hilarious. Yeah, a, a race. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, but, yeah. but you know, shape rotation is you know it's one of the it's one of the things they test in the standard. Mm -hmm. IQ tests and and I you know as I said I, I I've taken that because it's sort of in the training the clinical masters and stuff they have to practice on people and I was the test bunny and mm -hmm. and uh, so and they would tell me what I got and it's really interesting right the the actual even though they are all correlated like I was all over the shop I, I like I was I, I did very well on the what's it called the uh, linguistic one right. <laughs> Big, 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 big vocabulary. I have the best words. I have all the words. I have the best words. <laughs> the very best. I'm sorry. Oh, good. It's true. I'm taking really a test. I'm taking a test. I'm taking a test. It's science. I know the best words. I could back that up. But there was a, there's another little test on it, which I scored in the subnormal category. Like if I'd scored, if I'd scored that low on all of the subtests, they would have taken me away and, and put me in a home. And, and, and this was basically manipulating things in short-term memory mm. where, where, and where you had to do really quite simple arithmetic, like quite easy, but you had to like do a couple of operations. You couldn't use a pen and you couldn't right, make a right. note and you had to remember the, the products of the previous two operations oh, and then no. put them together and. I always forget the middle thing, you know, it's, it's just, it's gone. Kind of like um, hippocampal so. brain damage for sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, this is a real thing where my, my memory is terrible. My, my concept of time and space is pretty bad. I mean, this is where intelligence I think can be really good. And the idea of having your own strengths and weaknesses, whether you call it intelligence or aptitude or whatever, right? <laughs> Who cares? Yeah. But having a bit of self-knowledge, like you learn that, okay, I'm bad at this. I need to use a computer and a phone uh -huh. yeah. to supplement my deficiencies and you learn coping strategies. Right. So, so my inability to shape rotate or remember items in short-term memory doesn't hold you back because you can use a tool to, to, to help to, to give yourself a boost. So, you know, I think that's yeah. a positive spin to all of this. Yeah. I agree. I like that. I, I think that's really important. And I think there's, all of these are valid in a way, which is the original argument we had, which Brett said, I can't remember which episode, but he was like, I can't wait to argue with the people who can't, think there's multiple intelligence. Wait. There might be some interesting things to look at here when it comes to people who actually have deficits. If you were looking at remedial education, there might be ways in which this could be applicable and interesting. But when you look at most people, your ability to do something musical probably is going to parallel, you know, your verbal ability to, to some degree. And there's going to be some range that it fluctuates. But, but beyond a deficit, there are things that we all do so universally that it would be unlikely that you would be so verbal that you would not be able to learn in any other way. And that was so much stronger that you had no capacity to, to do math or to, you know, mm. appreciate at least the patterns inside of music or to go in nature and say, Hey, look, this is one kind of leaf and here's another and so forth. Yeah. yeah I think that's valid. If he had called these anything except intelligence, he probably would have just vanished into obscurity. There would have been no yeah. Howard Gardner to make this podcast about right now. Yeah, I think, I think you're right. I mean, that's, so that's why I get my hackles up with this kind of research a bit, right? Because psychology is a soft and squishy science, right? And we try mm -hmm. to be scientific, but it's really, really 
hard just because of the, it's very hard to measure things that are that are psychological. So when I read Gardner, I see somebody writing about it sort of in a humanities kind of way. Mm-hmm. It is. And you know, obviously you could learn a lot about humans by reading novels, right? Read mm-hmm. whatever, Tolstoy or something, you know, you'll get lots of insight. And mm-hmm. so it's not that there's no insight in what Gardner's doing, mm-hmm. but it's, it's the presenting it as like an alternative to something that is genuinely scientific yep. and mixing, you know, cross, crossing the streams, you know, crossing the streams. Yeah. That's, that's my issue. Yeah. 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 On the other side of disability is something like, I guess, prodigiousness or something like that. So when you mm-hmm. see someone like, like Mozart doing the kind of thing that he did that almost no one could ever do, no matter how old and they are and how many years they practiced you know you've got something that is also possibly, well, I guess lateralized or, or whatever in this, in, this kind of, in this kind of way. I may be wrong on this, but I just want to throw this out and see what you guys think. That that ability with music may tie to other things that if he wasn't so interested in music but preferred language, because you start so young, but you grab onto this thing and you're so, uh, you're so tied to it, that it unfolds in a way that other things don't. I don't think so. Like music, especially, there's something that happens when you have the ability, the drive, the emotionality with music. Mm-hmm. It's really special. And I know so many musicians who are like almost nonverbal. <laughs> Just <laughs> same thing with the bodily kinesthetic. These people can do things with their bodies that you could never, you could never. And will they be able to articulate it? even though I want to say, I think his criteria could be refined. I think someone could take up for old Howie and, and <laughs> whittle these things down into some kind of actual theory. I do think Your, we could. Spearman's G. Yeah. Yeah. It would be G. <laughs> oh, well, you know, there are, there are other theories of intelligence. There's oh. Sternberg's triarchic theory of mm-hmm. intelligence, which mm-hmm. has analytical, creative, and practical. Mm-hmm. Uh, look, we, I feel like we have to just following on what Brett was kind of saying, I, uh, you just have to acknowledge that these things unfold in a developmental way mm-hmm. and it's connected to the nature nurture mm-hmm. controversies where, mm-hmm. you know, is it innate or has it been learnt or whatever? And that's been strongly related to the controversies around IQ for good reason. The, the truth is, is that any organism like in the world, right? It's, its capabilities, like what it ends up being able to do is, is a function of it interacting with the environment mm-hmm. over time. Right. So it's fully interactive. Right. So, so something like evolutionary fitness, you might say, Hey, look at this baboon. He's like super evolutionarily fit. Right. We'll put him on the moon and he's not going to be right. right? It, it only fit with, within a particular environmental context. And the same is true. And, you know, he talks about this Gardner talks about this, which is that the what we consider to be fit or good effective is taking place within a cultural context as well as a physical environmental context so the kinds of things that would be considered smart or good because this is this is the other problem is the the value it's intelligence is value laden yeah mm-hmm. we 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 infuse it with the notion of goodness right yeah. uh, and and what is good is, is highly highly dependent on the context with which we find ourselves. So the idea that these are like traits, like innate things, I mean, there's sort of some truth in it. Like I, like I agree with you, I reckon Mozart, you know, was gonna, he, you know, if, if you subjected me to the same environmental influences and that so on screwed, in childhood, yeah. I'm screwed, I'm screwed. Yeah. I'm not gonna be making sonatas and concertos and things. But, you know, the, the sort of, if, the physical reality of it at a lot, like it's all just abstractions though. Cause at a, at a basic reality is an organism interacting with the environment and through it, this developmental process and then coming up with these sort of traits that we can put labels on and, and value as saying, oh, someone is good at X. These theories are uh, abstraction is what I wanted to emphasize. I think you're right. I think what G is compared to what these multiple intelligences could ever be says something more about the value of our society. The ability to kind of maneuver in our world is heavily reliant upon your ability, probably evolutionarily, to be logical and to deduce what needs to happen next and then also to communicate it with other people in a in the most formal system we have which is language and and that's a hierarchy that 
we we didn't choose it's just kind of how we do we don't i don't go over and try to like play a sonata for you matt to get you to come on this podcast like that'll never fucking work <laughs> yeah yeah like 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 imagine imagine a hunter gatherer society right in paleolithic times between ice ages or whatever imagine if they'd come up with a theory of intelligences of multiple intelligences right are they gonna she who has big the... hips yeah yeah that's right are they gonna have the same I, I categories as fair. us I, I mean i'm sure they'd have a category of can you how good are you at tracking the bison right how good are you at chucking the spear you know that kind of thing and right. you know we we don't value those things today like mm -hmm. i could we don't know. I could be great at tracking guys. You might be I've the never... best spear thrower we've ever seen. <laughs> you know, we, 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 we'd have to have you on for that kind of challenge. I think <laughs> all of us trying to track animals in the wild. <laughs> I, I think we're, we've got a lot of potential challenges ahead of, ahead of us. So is, so is Howie a guru or not? Yeah, he's a bit guru-esque, okay. I would say. Yeah, a little bit guru-esque. I think he may be a bit of an accidental guru. Mm -hmm. You know, he 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 took a shot at the at, at the in problem of intelligence from a kind of humanities kind of thing. As you say, wrote in a very engaging kind of way. His theory is sort of fundamentally psychologically appealing feels and good. Got, yeah. feels good got a lot of traction for those reasons he kind of got swept along with it and, and you almost had to had to continue so yeah i'll call him an accidental guru oh shit. okay i didn't know there were like you know <laughs> caveats for the type of guru one might be but <laughs> i read this interview with him in the harvard gazette where he talked about how he's from Scranton and he was a piano man. He felt like a small fish in a big pond. And so he got, you know, his major in social relations. And I do feel like he had something to prove. I feel like he, he knew what he was doing in choosing the word intelligence. I think he knew even yeah. then that you have to be a bit incendiary to make waves and make traction. And I'm not against that. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Look, and many academics are guilty of it to one degree or another, because you, it is an attention game in academia, just like it is in the, in the, the public yeah. sphere. And uh, yeah, he lent into it a little bit again, maybe accidentally, maybe somewhat deliberately. Yeah. So, yeah. But you know, there, there are worse crimes, you know, there are worse things. Right. Yeah, well, well, I mean, he didn't, he did in some ways, he tried to distance himself too, from saying, Hey, this should be applied in the way that it was applied. And so. You know, mm -hmm. he didn't, it, it seems that he didn't want to have this become an educational thing and, and the educators grabbed it, but he kind of said, no, this isn't really even what I was trying to do. And I'm certainly not prescribing any of this. And so, you know, it's like he wanted the attention for the idea, but then he also at least had enough intrapersonal intelligence maybe to say, okay, well, yeah. maybe I don't necessarily want all of these spinoffs and all of, you know, whatever, whether the praise or the fallout, when you start to estimate their value over time to come along with it. Like some of that stuff you read out, Natasha, and what I read in that, in his, you know, addressing the critiques, it had that tone where he was, he was playing defense a little bit mm -hmm. and was maybe being a little bit obfuscatory mm -hmm. or hedging his answers, mm -hmm. but, you know, motivated, as you say, Brett, by not, not writing this tiger all the way to the end, but rather yeah. pulling back and saying, hold on, it'd be like me saying like, I accidentally called this podcast syllogism. Like I didn't really know what I was, <laughs> like, I didn't well, we really were, mean. Yeah. We oh were banding God. around the name. I, 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 I was not sure that we were going to actually do it. <laughs> I, 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 t I told my, I told my co-host Chris, I'm going on this thing, syllogism with a J and he was like, oh, okay. All right. Have you, have you checked these people out before agreeing to do this? I don't know, a bit. Yeah. They seem <laughs> sketch, but like in a good way. Yeah. That was pretty much yeah. my take. So, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, you know, I mean, there's no right and wrong, right? So we're, we are both right and wrong. It's all a rich tapestry. This is what we it's say. A, I, like, I'm just going to start saying that now. It's all just a rich tapestry. Rich, a rich, it's a rich tapestry. Two things that I, I remember coming across uh, that would show that even the things that we use now to measure aren't necessarily that good. One is there are, when you look at the you know, international scoring and, you know, just leaving all kinds of, you know, things out, there are some groups that score is so low that that low score would indicate that you would need to be institutionalized because you wouldn't be able to do fundamental things necessary to survive. 
This shows that there's no way in hell that you're capturing G because people who have survived for, you know, tens of thousands of years living even in isolation are clearly very well able to adapt to their environments in ways that most of us would never be able to. We would die out in a generation. And yeah, yeah. I mean, the cultural influences. Yeah. Look, there, there are heaps of, yeah, heaps of problems with, with IQ testing, but it, it's kind of, it sounds like a paradox, but like, like IQ is simultaneously one of the best, um, or like one of the most robust psychological measures that we have, but that's primarily driven by the fact that all of our psychological measures are so shit, right? <laughs> like, like they're, they're all problematic and like, I mean, you could make a, you could, and people have, you can have written essays and, and, and all the problems, but I mean, one basic one is just motivation. Mm. Like, like how well you, you grab someone, you sit someone down and say, okay, now tap your finger as fast as you can, as soon as you can after the light plays or whatever. And you know, how hard are you trying? Right. Like how you said, I have you grabbed someone and they're going, this is stupid. Like, why am I even here? Mm. And, and, you know, when they actually go out in the field and they do that stuff and they cite those statistics comparing different populations and so on, I mean, I'm, I'm not familiar with the literature, but you know, the default should be a strong skepticism because there are so many things that can influence performance on any, on any performance measure right. that are not certainly not genetic and may not have anything to do with ability at all. Yeah. Right. But let's talk about aliens for a hot second, just because that would be fun. <laughs> and you brought it up earlier and it just made me think if we are to become a multi-planetary spacefaring species, I think we're going to have to have some kind of existential intelligence, but and it could be, it could lie squarely within G we could, that could be somewhere, you know, in that. But I think that's something that most people don't think about at this point. They don't think about what's next. They don't think about future generations. They're thinking about immediate survival, which is important, but the importance to which may be overstated once you reach the great filter. Mm, Getting yeah, a little yeah, yeah. sci-fi-ish here, but you know, there could be a place in which we need to develop a different type of intelligence that mm -hmm. is, we, we just can't define yet. We really haven't been able to parse it out. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And it goes back to what we're saying about it's <laughs> Like intelligence is really, it's, it's, it's a socially constructed concept of what we value at the moment as what being we value, good. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. And, and it's also expressed entirely in terms of human variation, mm -hmm. right? Variations in, across the bell curve. Like for instance, people as a species are really, really good at walking. Yeah. Or jogging. Word, like walking. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like long, yeah, that's right. You don't think about it much, do you? But we, we're one of the, of, compared to all the other species on earth, right? Most of us, we're, yeah. fucking, we're, we're fucking good walkers. We yeah. can, we can, you know, we're just, we're just naturally oh, yeah. good at it. And, you know, with few exceptions, there isn't much interesting variation in that. We're all good at it. We didn't really realize how difficult walking was in which we tried to build a robot that could do it. It's a hell of a lot easier to build a robot that can play chess that we think of as a really intelligent thing. That's a lot easier. That's an mm -hmm. easier skill, blitzing someone at chess, being number one rank gas Kasparov level that's easier than walking, mm -hmm. but we don't rate walking as an intelligence, right? Mm -hmm. Just because we're all good at it. <laughs> right. So, <laughs> so it, it's very much a relative thing. And are you comparing different people? Are you comparing people to aliens or comparing people to, to, to other animals? And yeah, so, but on the existential stuff, absolutely. Like the stuff that we've got in between our ears has evolved mm -hmm. it's been, a little bit like, yeah. Yeah, 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 that's right. There's a, there's, there's a few spandrels and stuff littered about, but you know, but the stuff that sort of contributed to evolutionary fitness, whatever, crafting tools, chucking spears, following bison, being a smooth talker and good at social interactions. So you could get to the top of your little social clan or whatever, gossip effectively, essentially very important skill. I mean, mm. that stuff is not necessarily helpful in the very long term. And, you know, mm. when we look at how we struggle with not screwing up the environment, avoiding pointless, futile wars and things. Like that's a different kind of intelligence, isn't it? That we haven't really evolved to have. So it's a struggle. Right. Yeah, exactly. We'll leave that to the effective altruists. I'm sure they'll do great with it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm sure. I've been hearing a lot about yeah. that. I, I, I had to, I, I had to Google it. I was like, what is this? What oh is my this God. Thing? It's made its way into normie land. So now the Facebook knows about existential or effective altruism. So everybody will know. It's essentially like utilitarian hedonism.
So. Yeah, I, but sort of Elon Musk type flavored utilitarianism. Somehow. Well, I think the thing with this type of utilitarianism and utilitarianism in general is like, it's good to a point and then it's fucking poison because at what point do we cease to be human? We have to draw a line in the sand with kind of like what we want for the future. Mm. And yeah. if we want to still be human, we can't calculate away all the woo and judge and multiple intelligences. We can't calculate this shit down to the bone and still be what we are today. Yeah, makes sense. Makes sense. I mean, you know, we, I work in public health, so we, they, they use utilitarianism a lot and it, yeah. it's great. It's great for very basic things like, sure. you know, what you got a fixed amount of money, you spend the money and it'll reduce disease and death by X amount. You choose, you get the best bang for your buck, but uh, you know, you take it to philosophers and they'll start talking about trolley problems and things and yeah. uh, you know, it, it, Utility it gets monsters, silly, but it's, at, but it's real. It's like, hmm. a, you know, if we kill this one baby. Like, how do you feel about that? You know, versus is it, killing five it, adults. Is it a cute baby or just a... Right, I mean, it's because all... there, are, there are ugly babies. I, I so. <laughs> and like, how old is the baby, right? Like, is it conscious? You know, I mean, there's so many, like, it's, it's a fucking mess. The utility of utilitarianism stops at the same place where Howard Gardner tries to start. It's the place in which you're quantifying qualia. <laughs> Just stop. <laughs> like, this has been so fun. I mean, honestly, I laughed my ass off, you guys. This was a great first episode for the season. Thank you so much, Matt, for like just jumping on with a bunch of weirdos and doing something fun. I appreciate it, Natasha. And I, I had a lot of fun, and that's Gardner sorted. Thanks, guys. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for joining. If you like the show, subscribe, leave us a rating. If you're a new Matt Brown fan, you can find him on Twitter at Arthur C. Dent. You'll also find Matt and his co-host Chris decoding the gurus at Gurus Pod. If you want even more bonus footage, behind-the-scenes content from this episode of Syllogism, check out our newsletter at theorygang.io forward slash newsletter.